The pastor was talking about instead of giving something up for Lent, we should do something instead. Do something rather than give something up. So it was that time that I decided to go to daily mass before I went down to work. And I worked downtown at the Chicago Board Options Exchange and the Chicago Board of Trade for about a year. Uh, actually, 30 years down at the Options Exchange. And so I would go to Our Lady of Perpetual Help, which is in Glenview. You can make a 6.30 Mass, and it starts at 6.30 on the dime. You can receive communion, take half a Mass in until the gifts are brought up, and you can make the 6.55 train. And I did that for, well, I, you know, I still go to daily Mass, so almost 30 years now. But also 1994 was the year that I went on an Opus Dei men's retreat. And that is the retreat that changed my life. So it was the first time in my life I was uh, in, this, in this chapel, very beautiful oratory, where everything was celebrated with perfection. The vessels gleamed and glistened like jewelry. The, the vestments that the priests wore were crisp and well-ironed and perfect. And everything about the oratory was in amazing condition. The, the tabernacle was something that I had never seen before. It was, it was beautiful. And so I remember that when that Mass was celebrated, and it didn't hit me until the very end when the priest was cleaning up, I don't know how else to say it, but he was cleaning up after communion, and the way he just swept those particles of the, of the Holy Eucharist onto that gold patent made me think that this guy really believes it's a person. It's just not a thing. Mass is just not something to get ripped through, but he really believed that Jesus Christ in the most infinitesimal particle of the Holy Eucharist was there and present. And it was just such care, uh, incredible love that was celebrated in the Mass. And really, that is the first time in my life that I said, you know, my Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here with me, and that you see me and you hear me. And that for me was really when I got knocked over. So it was a very tough political situation because I had to go back to my parish, and it was time for our pastoral council meeting, and they said, okay, Bill, about that uh, big screen TV and the jazz band, you know, we definitely have a budget for it, what do you want to do? I said, well, I know you guys are going to kill me, but forget the jazz band. I want to move the tabernacle to the center of the, the vestibule in the sanctuary. I want it to be the focal point of, the, of our Mass. In addition to that, I want to bring perpetual adoration to our parish. 24-hour exposition of the Blessed Sacrament. And I said, what's that? So I went on to discuss that with, my, with the other pastoral council members, and I thought I had absolutely lost my mind. How is this guy going to go from jazz band to Blessed Sacrament in like one week. Uh, well, really, it's just the power of the Holy Spirit. And of course, let's get to the point of this whole talk, is where does all this faith meet my work? Uh, and so, the spirituality of Opus Dei means the work of God. Opus is Latin for work. And the whole idea is not to have a particular chance meeting, like you meet somebody at a grocery store, or you meet somebody in line at confession. Faith and work are just more than a meeting for someone who has an affection for Opus Dei. Work, it's the stuff. It's the stuff that we use for our sanctification. It's like two pieces of paper on top of each other. It's like a seamless garment. You cannot tell the difference between my faith and the way I work my job during the day as an investment advisor. And even for some years at the, at the Board of Trade and the, at the Chicago Board Options Exchange. Obviously, also means that we do all our work with love. Love is the key. Okay, It's not just a one-time event. It's from the time I wake up in the morning to the time I go to bed at night. Everything I do, every ordinary circumstance, when I balance my checkbook, when I'm looking at the market to see which stocks I have to buy and sell, when I have to answer the telephone, every job that I do at my desk, that that is my altar, and I have to do every job with love. Because we know that of the three cardinal virtues, we have faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And that in my little workshop, in my little financial advising office, 
that I can move mountains. And you talk about the value of work, that's the value, because when I do it with love, my work takes on an infinite value. It takes on infinite value for the people that I pray for. It takes on an infinite value for uh, our Pope Francis when I offer up a piece of work. And, it, and I just try to do it to the best of my ability. It doesn't necessarily mean it has to be perfect because I'm human and I have imperfections. But it means that the spirit and intent and the love that I do my work for and, and do my work with, I, it allows me to sanctify myself. I get to sanctify others and I get to sanctify the work. Uh, when I get to sanctify the world all at the same time. So it's a wonderful blessing to be able to do that. It's a wonderful honor for me to know that, that, that every ordinary occupation, you don't need to do extraordinary things. Joseph was a carpenter. He worked quietly. Our Lord probably worked very quietly, but his work was done with intense uh, you know, attention and love. And that's really the key to what you know, that, that I'm trying to do in terms of my faith life. And you know, the word fiduciary is also Latin. The root of the word fiduciary is fides, which means to be faithful. So I feel that my faith life affects my work because I consider myself a fiduciary with the people whose assets that I manage in the 401k sphere. So in terms of advice to you guys, I would say that uh, there's a wonderful paper written by uh, Father C. John McCloskey. He's a priest of Opus Dei. He has uh, a, a paper called The Seven Daily Habits of uh, Holy Apostolic People. And I'll just read off the seven habits real quick. One is a morning offering. In Opus Dei, we have a morning offering. Just like you learned when you were in grammar school. You know, uh, oh my Jesus, I offer you through the naked heart of Mary all my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings. I mean, it's in every catechism. Uh, for people who are in Opus Dei, we like to uh, kneel and kiss the floor and say the word serviam, which is Latin, to serve. It means I'm going to serve my God, I'm going to serve my wife, I'm going to serve my kids. It means I'm going to give everything and my all during the day. And also, one of the, the, uh, the seven habits are to, um, uh, to do 15 to 30 minutes of silent prayer. We are asked to do you know, 5 to 10 minutes of uh, reading of the New Testament or some other uh, spiritual reading. I pray the rosary in the car when I'm on my way to Whole Foods or when I'm on the way over here. So this, this, this is the, where God has put me. This is my vocation. I'm a father, a husband, you know, and, and a financial advisor. And so I have to try to mold my spirituality with my vocation that God has given me. Uh, another thing is attending daily Mass. That's another habit of highly successful, um, I'm sorry, holy apostolic people. Praying the Angelus at noon, praying the, um, the rosary, and also a brief examination of conscience at the evening. But also, there's something that we have in Opus Dei called the always norms. And the always norms are, are uh, study, work, order, and cheerfulness. Study as in, I study the catechism. I read the, the writings of the Pope. I love Pope John Paul II. Now I'm getting into Pope Francis, uh, you know, some of his encyclicals and some of his letters. Um, it also means that I, I'm, I'm professionally proficient. I stay up to date on what's going on with the market and regulatory items. So it means to study to make me, uh, you know, a better person and more professional at what I do. You know, order uh, in cheerfulness. You know, one of the most important things in cheerfulness is, you know, as men, we tend to get caught up in our work. Uh, we come home from work or uh, our, our children vie for our time, and we're kind of looking at the computer screen with one eye, and we're listening to our kids with the other eye. That's not really the spirit of being a father. It means I put my paper down, I close my glasses, and I tell my kids, you have my complete and undivided attention. So I shut down for those few minutes just to be with my kids or my wife. And so I just want to close with this, uh, this brief sentence here from uh, St. Jose Maria Escriva, the founder of Opus Dei, who says, Before God, no occupation is in itself great or small. Everything gains in value, the value of love with which it is done. Thank you.
open the floor to questions. You did too good a job. <laughs> well, I did it with love. Thank you. Where, uh, yeah. where are the Opus Dei uh, groups located in this area? St. John's downtown. It just so happens that there is an evening of recollection for women upstairs that's uh, facilitated by the priests of Opus Dei. Uh, for men, they're typically the second Tuesday of the month at Northridge Prep School for boys, which is uh, between Milwaukee and Greenwood on Ballard. Uh, and you can just look it up on the internet. There's a, a retreat schedule and workshop schedules and recollections available all over the, the Chicagoland area. Michael? Uh, what's been the impact uh, on your parish since you brought Eucharistic Adoration there? The impact of Eucharistic Adoration on our parish? Well, that is a great question. We have a book about this thick um, of people who uh, have written down favors granted from the time that they, you know, for the time they spent in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, our parish, Jim Murphy, our, our former pastor, Father James Murphy, uh, said that he believed that it saved our school because uh, once, about a year after adoration began, we, we noticed an uptick in enrollment and the parish itself was able to subsidize the school at a lower rate. Uh, you know, um, is St. Catherine's thriving? Well, you know, we could be doing a little bit better on our grammar school uh, enrollment, but um, I think if you just sit there, if you were to come to our chapel and actually go through the book and look at some of the favors that were received, it's absolutely amazing. It really is the work of God. Yes, sir. Bill, how did your wife uh, take your change? How did my wife take the change? Well, that's really funny that you asked that question. Um, I would say that... Um, you know, one thing that I did leave out, that in 1994 was when my wife was diagnosed with a carcinoid tumor. So when I first came back from retreat in 94, um, uh, you know, she, she thought that it was like all swollen great, and I was this, you know, great guy and everything, and, you know. But mostly, being sort of intemperate Italian, I, you know, I'm really hot for like a few weeks, and then I get cold later on. But I did stay hot, you know, during the time of her surgery in 1995. Um, she actually, when I came back from retreat and I said, Evie, you are not going to believe what I saw this weekend. You're not going to believe what happened. She eventually went to the Evenings of Recollections uh, for Women. And for her, she, she hopped on board immediately. Thanks, Bill.